So I have a question for you this morning. The Lord's put on my heart, and my question to you this morning is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Could ask that question, we'd probably get about a whole bunch of different answers here, because everybody's waiting for something, right? Uh, it's good to be waiting for something. It gives you some expectancy and some hope. Some of you are waiting for a cure, a healing. I mean, and all of these are reasonable to each person, whatever situation you're in. Am I right? And so you're waiting for someone to, you're waiting to win the lottery? I understand that. Some of you are waiting for a promotion. Some of you are waiting to get back to work. Right? Some of you can't wait to go get a meal out. Some of you are waiting for a soulmate. Some of you are waiting for your husband to change. Some of you are, some of you will just take change. Some of you are waiting for more money. Some of you are waiting for a leader to lead us to where we need to be. Some of you are waiting for justice. And some of you are waiting for revenge. Some of you are waiting for honesty. Someone tell me the truth. Some of you are waiting to get your bills paid. Some of you are waiting for a medical breakthrough. Some of you are waiting to get out of jail. Uh, and, uh, you know, many of us have all sorts of different circumstances and things that we're all waiting for with an expectation. Waiting is a good thing. Uh, here's some things that waiting does for you. It helps put your priorities in order. When you're waiting for something, you have to hold on and hold on a little longer and have to decide whether you should do this or that or not invest in this or not do that. But you're waiting and it helps you put things in priority. It helps develop perseverance and patience, right? We could all use a little more patience. And uh, waiting does that. We have a lot of waiting. Waiting to get in a store, waiting in the drive-thru, mm -hmm. waiting for all these different things. It helps you stay hopeful, have a sense of expectancy. It will hopefully produce productive habits, not destructive habits as you're waiting and waiting. You don't want to give up. You don't want to give up while you're waiting on things. And that's where it's a real problem, where you begin to lose hope and, and you begin to feel betrayed and you begin to get angry because you've been waiting for something for so long and it's just not coming through. So you have to reevaluate what you're waiting for and your expectation. So then you draw on your resourcefulness. So while you're waiting, what can you use, what can you do until something comes through? While you're waiting, you recognize other people are waiting for things. So it builds empathy and tolerance. I've been waiting in this line pretty long, but the people behind me are going to have to wait even longer. Feel for you back there, but I'm glad I'm here. But again, it can build doubt and frustration and waiting. So this morning, what I want to share with you is that aspect of waiting. What are you waiting for? The most important thing that you and I are waiting for is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. To set all things right, finally. To level the scales of justice. To bring those things into being that should have been here to bring the rescue the love the hope that we had so longed for 
and the remedy that we need, it's all found in Jesus Christ. And with hopeful expectation, we're waiting for him. The church has been waiting for 2,000 years. We've been waiting and waiting, and it's easy to wonder and doubt, what's taken you so long? And he has the answer to that in Peter, and he says, the reason that he tarries is so that more people may be saved. So in the waiting, there should be something being done. And I would like to share with you this morning, as you're waiting, waiting, wondering, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the Lord to come through. We're waiting for Jesus to bring an answer. And in the meantime, we have to get resourceful. In the meantime, we have to adjust our priorities. In the meantime, we have to persevere in the waiting. Amen? Some people are not good at waiting. The older you get, the more used to waiting you are. How many of you know that? Kids don't wait for nothing. <laughs> They're too anxious and too jittery. Sit still. They can't. They're waiting. Hate waiting. Are we there yet? Is it ready yet? Right? The older you get, it's like, it'll be here when it gets here. <laughs> you just know it. But what I want to share with you this morning is a parable, is a story. It's called The Ten and Wise and Foolish Virgins Who Were Bridesmaids. So we're going to turn to Matthew 25, and I'm going to read this parable to you. I believe it has implication to us this morning. Let me read it to you. Matthew 25, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it says this. Jesus is telling a parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed... They all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy yourself some oil." And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, Truly I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. That's a pretty sobering parable. And so to understand the parable, we need to catch the imagery. First of all, it's important to know that parables have a very simple, basic meaning to them. You can get way off base when everything has a symbolic reference and meaning and you put too much emphasis in all of it. It's trying to tell you one particular thing. This parable is very easy. Be ready. Okay? If you go off into so many different type of deeper ideas, you're going to miss the point. One of the problems that people have with this parable is they reference the oil as the Holy Spirit. That's a theological problem. Because that would mean that there are some, everybody that has oil are saved people, but you can run out of him. You can't run out of the Holy Spirit. All right? 
Secondly, you can't go buy more of him. Thirdly, you can't share him. Can I have some of your Holy Spirit? I ran out. Now, some would teach that, let me lay hands on you, and then you get some more Holy Ghost. It doesn't doesn't work that way. And he's not to be bought. Also, Jesus would would not be giving a parable to a group of people who have no comprehension of what the indwelling Holy Spirit is. Jesus did not go to the cross, die, rise from the dead, and pour out the Spirit yet. So for him to be saying that to these people, it would be completely lost on them. So that's not the point. You know what the oil is? Oil. There it is. That's that's everything right there. That's the oil. So what is going on here? Why virgins? What do we got now? What's going on with our sexuality? No, it's not about virgins either. The reason they're virgins is because they're the young maidens. And they're, in other words, the bridesmaids. They are not the bride. Okay? They're the bridesmaids. And what happens at a Jewish wedding feast is that they knew the bridegroom was coming. This is the day he's going to come for his bride. And the bridesmaids, waiting for the bridegroom to come, take their lamps and they prepare them and they go out to meet the bridegroom so that they can walk with him, illuminating the path at night to his bride. So when he goes to his bride, the wedding feast begins, they lock the door and celebrate the marriage of the bride. So these bridesmaids had a very specific job to do. Their function was to have the lights ready as a witness to everybody to walk with the bridegroom to the bride. That was part of the festival. That was part of the thing. That was their job. That was their task. So what they were supposed to do was what? Have enough oil to do the job. Now, let's talk about some of these folks. Okay? You had five wise and five foolish. I thought I'd I just help illustrate a little bit. So, <laughs> hopefully there's no offense. Five wise, five foolish. Now listen, I didn't make this up, okay? The Greek word for foolish is moron, or where we get our word moron, okay? And so the original language is, these gals were morons. <laughs> they were extremely foolish and basically stupid. Now, that's the language of the Bible. It's trying to create a contrast because you know what your job is. You've got one job to perform. It's to have oil in your lamp to light the path for the bridegroom who's coming. And what they neglected to do was to bring any extra oil. They had oil in the lamp. They had a wick. They're ready to go. But the story tells us there was a delay. The wise virgins or wise bridegrooms brought an extra flask of oil. 
That's like bringing an extra charger for your cell phone because you're running out of juice. So you have a charger in case you need it. Put it up to date for you. And that's the difference. The others were ready for a delay or anything else. And as the night goes on and they're expecting the bridegroom, he doesn't show up. There's some kind of a delay for some reason. We don't know what it is. The bridegroom has his reasons. And so the night draws on and they all get weary and they fall asleep. But the problem is not that they fall asleep, but when they hear the shout, get ready, the bridegroom comes. These girls are out, ill-prepared and not ready. And as the shout comes at midnight, be ready, the bridegroom cometh. They wake up and get themselves ready, he's coming. And what does it say they do? They trim their lamps. What that means is they prepare the wick in the oil because it burned down. And so you have to trim it out and get the wick prepared so you can burn more because now that he's coming, we've got to also escort him to the marriage feast. And as they're trimming their wicks, The five foolish women say, ah, our lamp's going out. We don't have enough. Let me have some of yours. Well, no. Uh, If I give you my, they'll all go out. I have to be faithful to what I've been called to do. I have been called to escort the bridegroom to the bride. I've prepared. I'm ready Go do what you got to do to get ready. And so they run off trying to find some oil they can buy. In the meantime, the bridegroom is escorted by the bridesmaids to the bride's chambers, to the place where the wedding feast is. The doors are shut. They finally run back, and it is too late. Let us in. Let us in. The bridegroom says, I'm sorry, but I do not know you. I don't know you. You see, as he was approaching, he was waiting to see if he would find faith or those who were waiting for him in duty to do what they should in escorting him. And he, when he approached, there were five missing. Why were they missing? They went because they were so ill-prepared. They thought at the last minute they could maybe kind of fix it. He never met them. He never knew them. He never saw them. So the five that were ready, he walks with them. Then sometime later, someone's knocking at the door. It's like, I'm, who are you? I never knew you. I don't know who you are. So what is this about? We can, again, you elaborate into these great schemes. These are people who were saved and they lost their salvation because they were careless or this or that. Look at every one of you and me included is careless with our salvation. That's not the point. Did we run out of oil? No. The point is of this parable very simply. We have a job to do. And we should be prepared for it. Even though there is a delay. We have a job to do. 
and that is to prepare the way for the bridegroom. We are to be faithfully burning through the night. We should be lighting the witness of Jesus' return. So what are you waiting for? What are you doing with your calling? Do you have enough oil in your lamp to burn your entire lifetime as a witness to Jesus Christ? I remember in the 70s, as I was growing up and getting to know the Lord and, and getting to know the fuller revelation of the Word of God and being at a church where Jesus is coming, the rapture's coming, it's any time, any minute. We lived like that. You know? It's like, oh my gosh, I had to decide, should I go to school or not? What a waste of time going to school. I should be on the streets praying, witnessing this and that. Can I get a witness? Did anybody else remember that push? Should I get a job? No, I, I, Jesus is coming, it could be tonight. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I could swear I heard a trumpet. I got up. Oh, I'm still here. Now, I'm not making fun of the return of Christ, not at all. And, and I don't know how many people have, we've all believed he's coming in our lifetime. He's coming in our lifetime. Well, what if he doesn't? Are you still trimming the wick and are you still having your lamp lit? Whether the delay outlasts you or not, are we wise or foolish in our task of what we're to do? The church is to be having a light of Christ Jesus. So what are you hoping for? What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for Jesus. And I need to be doing that day in and day out. But I get sidetracked. We all get sidetracked. We're hoping for this. We're hoping for that. And many of us lose the sense of what we're hoping for in Christ Jesus. And many don't burn anymore because he just didn't fulfill the expectations we had. You heard the prophecies this morning to look up. And the other prophecy about not being disappointed, you may not have had the answer you wanted, but you don't have his perspective as to why there's a delay or what he's doing throughout the earth. We're all praying for this nation. We want this nation to, we don't know what's going on globally. Do you know that God's concerned with the entire planet? Do you know that he's got a plan for all the nations? And I don't know what that means for the United States. But see, this is one of the problems with those uh, virgins who only concerned themselves with their lamp for the timing they had and uh, not bothering to do more. We're not to be burning a lamp just for ourselves. We're burning a lamp for the bridegroom and for all to witness him. We're burning a lamp so that all can see the bridegroom is coming. Your lamp is not about you. I'll go a step further. Your salvation is not about you. It's about him. It gives him glory that he saved a mess like me. This isn't about him thinking, geez, I got to do something for Tim Tyler. Boy, that guy, he's special. This guy's everything. I know there's a lot of people on the planet, but I want to save him. It's not about me. It's just a glorifying his grace and his mercy to one wretch like me. Thank God. 
I light a lamp so that someone else will hear of the grace of God. I want to show someone else the bridegroom cometh. He's here. So it's not about my convenience, about carrying extra oil. Where am I going to put it? It'll put a bulge in my pants. I where am I going to put I don't have a purse. I don't know what to do. It won't, doesn't go with my outfit. What's our job, church? Who are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? A better this, a better that, a more of this, a more of that. We're waiting for the wrong things. And in this hour, God is saying, be wise, not foolish. Here are some of the things that happens when we're waiting. Foolish distractions. We slumber. We get more interested in other things. It's, but it, it's good to, to, to progress. It's, it's necessary to take dominion as God commanded Adam and Eve and take authority over the things that I have given you, God says. Be good stewards. It, it's good to have a job and to look for promotion and to move up in leadership so that you can have a greater witness. The point is, what's the purpose behind what you're doing? Right? I mean, it's great that you become the best worker at your job because you can shine a light. As a believer, they give glory to God because you're so good at what you do. So when you have a job, you do it to the best of your ability to the glory of God. And then it becomes an act of worship. I have a house. It's not a big house, but it's a nice house that I make beautiful. And an environment, I create beauty in it and rest in it so that my house is a blessing and it glorifies God. I want it to be nice and look good because I take care of what I have. Why? Because ultimately it reflects on the stewardship of what I own, giving glory to God. So it's easy to slumber. It's easy for us. Right now, it's easy to stay at home. It's easy. To just, you know, kick back. But now's the time for us to consider ways we can minister like never before. You know, right now in industry, people are trying to come up with new ideas to do things. I mean, whoever thought carryout was going to be this big? All of a sudden, restaurants are building outdoor places with domes and, and all these different things. Ingenious stuff, right? Because while they're waiting for the rule to be open, they have to come up with new ideas. What's the church doing right now? What are we doing because there's a shift in our culture? There's going to be a change in the world. There's going to be a change in the way things are done. What are we doing to be, uh, um, what's the word? Creative intuitive uh, for the next step or are we slumbering and sleeping with the oil we have from yesterday do you see what i'm saying how are we going to have to do church different how are we going to have to witness differently how are we going to reach people how do we pray for the sick you can't touch them how are we going to do these things does this make sense to you so Carry enough oil for yourself and others. Here's another one. We're not prepared. That's what I'm talking about. Let's be prepared for what's going to take place. 
Let's stop a complaining attitude and let's move into the extra oil that we got. Let's trim the wicks. Let's figure out what we're supposed to do. Where do we go from here? Does this make sense? Amen. And then the last one. It's just not important enough. This happens to all of us. The immediate takes control while we're waiting for Jesus. Doesn't it? It's not one or the other. Invite Jesus. Pour the oil into the immediate. Pour the oil into the other things of life that you're waiting for. Invite Jesus into this. Some of you have to work on Sundays. That doesn't mean you miss church. You invite Jesus to work. He's with you at your job. Turn your job into church. You are the church. Amen? Your oil is always burning. That's the point. So it's not what are you waiting for. It's who are you waiting for. Who are you waiting for? You waiting for the pastor to do something? Are you waiting for your spouse to do something? Are you waiting for a friend? Are you waiting for the government to do something for you? Yeah. Forget about it. Who are you waiting for? Jesus. And he's pouring oil into you continually. Keep your lamp lit. Keep the wick trimmed. Always watch. Always expecting. Who are you waiting for? Jesus Christ. And he is coming soon. I believe it. I believe it. And once it's over, and once he returns, all of us will wish we had burned more brightly. Amen? Let's bow our heads.